seven keys to success from the life of David. We're not talking about business success here or financial success. We're talking about a successful Christian life. And we should all endeavor to want to have a successful Christian life. And uh, let's take a look at that. Did you know we know more about more details about David's life than uh, any other Old Testament saint? Uh, isn't that fascinating? When the Bible does things like that, it's um, showing us someone that they're highlighting to learn and watch real carefully from as New Testament believers. And somebody just sent me a, a text message. Your lips don't match your words. I know that. It's a technical thing. Yeah, we see in the Bible um, that David had uh, was a man that had favor with God and with man. Uh, I think as far as David, uh, Joseph is the other one who's second in how many details we know about his life. But David's first. And... Um, other than the period of sin in his life when he was king, when you consider his personal life on whole, he lived a righteous life, not only pertaining to spiritual issues, but also to moral and ethical issues as well. So living an obedient life to God in all areas of life. So David is worth looking to. Uh, the focus of David's life was a man after God's own heart, which means God found a man who would put his total trust in him, be humble, and, and, and giving no credit to self. Also, what's very important about this is David was a man that sought after the grace of God, which was a hidden New Testament truth that was not for the Old Testament Jew. And it's amazing that David reached into a time period prophetically that was not his and obtained favor from God really cool. So he's a picture of a New Testament believer who craves the grace of God and not the law of God. Wow. Because Jesus fulfills the law for me. He does what I can't do. And if he has fulfilled the law for me and my faith is in him, then I, because of Jesus, my life is pleasing to the Lord, not by what I can do to add to it. I can't add to it. Jesus is pleasing already. And my faith goes to him. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, about Saul, King Saul, it says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be the commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. So what God said to Samuel regarding David, choosing David, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, here we have regarding Saul, first of all, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. you got to remember, Saul here was Mr. Handsome. He was Mr. Perfect. This was the darling of Israel. This was, if you were the perfect Israel Jew, it's Saul. And the Lord's saying, not impressed. He goes on to say, for the Lord does not see as a man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that describes David here in Samuel choosing David. The Lord found a heart that would seek after him. So in David, this is an Old Testament foreshadow of what would be available to you and me. Looking to David in example as a life lived. 
looking at his entire life and learning from it and drawing what we can learn of mistakes to avoid and what to get right. That's really cool because in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, we have this scripture that people kind of like turn the page on, don't really realize how heavy this is. It says, for whatever things were written before Old Testament were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. So in other words, when we go to the Old Testament and we look at people's entire lives, David being an example, we are looking at someone who lived a life with real events to learn from, again, not to make the same mistakes and to avoid those mistakes and pitfalls and how to get things right. So uh, these lives that we have in the Old Testament are object lives for us to draw wisdom from in our daily day-to-day -day living that we can learn from. So Romans 15, 4 tells us that. So these Old Testament lives, when, they, when the Word of God gives us detail about them, is really important. You want to watch what they did to learn from. So a lot of wisdom there. So we know David was a covenant man. He was the opposite of King Saul. Uh, David was a man who puts God's covenant first in his life and lived accordingly. The only other men in scripture that have a similar or greater life of integrity might have been Joseph in the book of Genesis, might have been the prophet Daniel. These are the good guys of the Old Testament that we can learn from also. But here with David, I'd like to briefly tonight, and I mean briefly, present some basic keys that if we keep them as a guide for our lives, we'll avoid the traps of sin that's out there laid for all of us to fall into. And these are things that we can learn from David's life. So uh, for me, this is a very fresh thought because we recently did this last semester at our Bible school. And when we talked in our Old Testament class about David, and we want to do that again tonight for those who weren't at the Bible school. And for those who were at the Bible school, hey, you listen to it twice, it's good, right? So uh, here it is. These are the seven keys to success from the life of David. And they are for all of us, no matter if you're very new and you're walking with the Lord or you're an old timer that have been around for, for decades. This has value for everyone. Because if you've been an old timer that's been around for decades, you need to be reminded of this because you probably forgot. You don't want to forget. All right, number one, if you're writing these down, very simple. Keep your heart and life pure. Keep your heart and your life pure. Uh, let me give you a scriptural reference for this. We can't look these up due to time. We'd be here an hour just looking up scriptures. But most, almost almost all of these, <clears throat> excuse me, are coming from First Chronicles. And in First Chronicles, we have the historical records highlighting the stories in the book of uh, Samuel. <clears throat> and First Chronicles centers around David. Now, Second Chronicles centers around the kings of Israel in Judah and how they treated the temple different emphasis. But First Chronicles centers around David. So this scripture, keep your heart and your life pure, number one, is from First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9a. A meaning the first part of the verse. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9a. So keep your life and your heart pure, or your heart and your life pure. Um, you know, how do you keep your heart and your life pure? It comes through decisions that we make. How about that? What do we put before our eyes? 
What do we put inside our ears? What do our eye gate and our ear gate allow into our lives? Uh, these are decisions what we make, what we allow to come through the ear and the eye gate. Very serious. Uh, we should always be seeking after Holy Spirit to help us make decisions that honor purity. That's a big deal, especially in the day we live in today. I remember, gosh, I don't know how long ago. I think prior to 2010, we were on a men's retreat from Grace and Peace at a uh, uh, retreat center in Lancaster County. And um, there were other churches there. And we had the largest presence, figures, we had a lot of people. And um, <clears throat> we must have had nearly 50 guys. But I'm going down the hallway to go to the bathroom, right? And I passed this one little room, and there was a church there having their own men's retreat. And there was only six guys in there, and plus the pastor. And they were from an inner city church in Philadelphia. And they had on the marquee what the uh, title of their retreat was. You know what it was? Men of Purity. That's what they had their whole retreat based on, how to be men with purity. And I said to myself, boy, these guys got it together. Who would come out to a men's retreat to hear on being a man of purity? Wow. I was impressed. Personally, I wanted to go in and hang around with them. I was really impressed with that. I never forgot that. So we need to remember it's important for us to keep our heart and our life pure. And hey, I have to say it, you know, today there's a bombardment on men with pornography that's absolutely outrageous. Uh, and uh, it, it just hits you no matter where you go. And all the more reason we're challenged today to keep a life and a heart that has purity in it. It's a big deal. Really big deal. Number two, hope you're writing this down. Obey God's word. And we find an example of that in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 7 and 8. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 7 and 8. Obey God's word. This is interesting. Uh, again, remember, we're, we're in the New Testament here. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament here. And obey, obeying God's word for us as New Testament new creations is really spelled believe. How about that? Believe God's word and speak it. The Old Testament Jew had a do covenant. Do, 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 obey, obey, obey. Can't do it, can you? You need a Messiah. You need a Savior who could live inside of you and keep for you what you can't keep for yourself. So the Old Testament Jew was called to a do covenant, an obey covenant. The New Testament believer is called to a believe covenant got to get that. We don't live a life of rules and do's and don'ts. If you are, you're an Old Testament believer. In the New Testament, we have a believe covenant. Jesus did the do part for me. And if I put my faith in his accomplished works, I have obeyed God. So now I live a life where I allow the Spirit of God to live through me as a New Testament believer and guide my thoughts and my actions that would honor the Lord. I'm called to a believe covenant. So, um, highly important. A lot of the body of Christ really doesn't believe. It'd be a very, look, would look very different if they did. We want to pursue being believers of the word of God. Because you're only going to speak out of your mouth 
what you already believe in your heart. And a lot of people don't speak the word of God out of their mouth because they don't believe it in their heart. Ooh, ouch. Number three, seek God and his righteousness. Seek God and his righteousness. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9b. Well, we had verse 9a before, now we got b. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9b. Seek God and his righteousness. You know, seeking God and his righteousness is key to our communion with God. Why do we have a communion with God? Well, it's a lot you could say. We want to know our Savior. We want to um, uh, get to know Holy Spirit. We want to have him in, our, in his presence in our lives. But we're seeking God that we would have kingdom interests, that we would have his kingdom interests. The only res true result of having a communion with God is to know what to do this side of heaven, how to have a kingdom interest to follow. So seeking God in his righteousness is so that we would act in a righteous manner. For example, those Christians who really take it deep in their heart to uh, speak up for the unborn uh, and make the unborn their lives a priority, that's pursuing the righteousness of God. That's pursuing God's interests. God is into the unborn. And he doesn't like when they're murdered for selfishness in America. Because America has turned abortion into birth control. That is not right. So kingdom interest, when people have lives devoted to promoting life uh, for the unborn, God is very pleased with that stuff. He likes that. Because you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Okay, number four. Rely on the promises of the word. Rely on the promises of the word. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. Rely on the promises of the word. And you know, I must have put my Bible down somewhere. Well, if I had my Bible in my hand, I would say, this is a seed book. Look at it. It's all full of seeds. And they're only good if you plant them. And your mouth is the sower that puts the seed into the soil of your heart and speaks it out of your mouth. And we are—we have a seed book in our hands, a book of seeds. And they're promises from God's word, all through the word of God. And it tells us in Corinthians, they're yes to us. They're amen. Yeah, so be it. Make it happen. They're yes and amen to us because um, they are his idea that we would see his covenant promises manifest in our days. And it's very important that we need to understand that if we don't rely on the promises of God, we have nothing. You realize that? If you don't rely on the promises of God, you have nothing. And that's the problem. We either rely on the promises of God or we rely on men's wisdom. And the noblest of men, their wisdom ends at the grave. It has no eternal value. I don't care who all the philosophers and the intellects who lived centuries before me and wrote all these words down. Yeah, that, that's nice. But it does nothing for me in eternity. Only the word of God does. Not that I can't learn from wisdom men had and apply it. Yeah. But put it where it belongs. It doesn't go equal with the word of God. Only the promises of God's word has an eternal value to me. So if I don't rely on the promises of God's word, I have nothing. I have nothing. That is for somebody to listen to very closely and sink into, into the heart. Okay, 
How are we doing here? Uh, number five. Give and serve willingly. That's good. Give and serve willingly. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 5 to 9. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 5 to 9. Give and serve willingly. You know, giving and serving is the life of the believer. This is all that we see and do is through this topic. What do you do as a believer? You give and you serve. And when I say give, I'm not just talking money here. I'm talking time, talent, and treasure. Your time is the most valuable thing you have in this, on the earth. If somebody came up to you and said, could I have $5? You would probably say no. But if they said to you, can I have five minutes of your time? You probably would say yes. Big mistake. You'll never get that five minutes back again. It's gone for eternity. The $5, you'll get that back again. But you'll never get that five minutes back again. Time is valuable. And when we give it to the Lord, that's a worship of our lives. I have my phone on, on Do Not Disturb, and somebody tried to get through. How dare they? And it was a salesman, too. Okay, we forgive them. Let's move on. Uh, okay, giving. What was I saying? Time and talent and treasure. Uh, your talent. God has given each of us talents and abilities. Do we use them for the kingdom of God? Maybe God gave you an ability to uh, be real good in organizing. Do you share that with the body of Christ? Maybe God gave you an ability to handle money very well. Do you share that with others to help them ha handle money well? Maybe God gave you two strong arms that can work. You yeah, put it in hands and work at the church to help the kingdom. Hey, we have talents, all of us. Time and talent and then treasure. Uh, I like the saying I heard one time. I think it was Dr. Michael Brown. Uh, one day when we're in the presence of the Lord and we see what our money did as we gave it in the kingdom, not one person is going to stamp his foot on the ground and go, ah, I knew I gave too much. What was I thinking? I knew I gave too much. Rather, we'll all say, why didn't I give more? True. True. God watches where the money goes. If you look in the, in the, uh, the Gospels, the widow puts, um, the rich people are putting their big money into the offering in the temple, and the widow puts her little uh, mite, uh, which is like a, a penny, and we notice there in, in that scripture, we're not turning there, but Jesus was watching them putting their money in the temple, treasury. God watches what we do with our money. Wow. That's a biggie. Okay, number six. Worship and celebrate gladly. I like that. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 20 through 22a. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 20 to 22a. Worship and celebrate gladly. Hey, I've heard it said, I believe it. We're made for worship. We are made for worship. Very cool. Um, and worship isn't just songs. Worship is uh, a practice for the believer. It's a life practice. It has to do with giving him the worth he deserves. Um, and... Uh, we celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ. Thank God we don't have the Old Testament do covenant. 
we have the New Testament Believe Covenant. That's something to worship God about and be real grateful. Real grateful. And those of who have been through the misery of life and found Christ as their Savior, they're glad for their salvation. They know what Jesus redeemed them from. How many people have I met over the years who said, man, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be dead now. Yeah, and they're glad for their salvation. We need to live a life constantly of that from our lips every day. I've said you need to have a song on your lips. Every day, sing unto the Lord. Nobody has to hear you, but the Lord hears you. Sing unto the Lord. In fact, it tells us in, in the New Testament, he smells our worship. Wow. It's a fragrant sacrifice to him. He smells our worship. You got to have a song on your lips, man. You got to sing. Uh, you know, I remember one guy. He was a pastor of a very large church. And he was uh, supposedly this, well, he used to be a song leader. And then became a pastor. And he was very high in demand. His church, to speak at other churches, his church was over 5,000 in size. And he went through a deep depression. And every time he would fly somewhere, he would hope the plane crashed. Well, the plane didn't crash. And he had to quickly learn to stop that. He couldn't get out of this depression that, that, that always landed on him. So finally, he got insight from the Lord. I'm going to sing my way out of this. And that's what he did. He worshiped the Lord every day as much as he could. And the depression lifted and never returned. And he became, had a habit then for the rest of his days, he would be a worshiper to the Lord. Very cool. Uh, so we need to learn to have a song on our lips. And you know, isn't that interesting in the Old Testament, when you look at a worship, it's always something they did with their bodies. They prostrated, they stood, there were hands in the air. Uh, they always something they did with their bodies. So that's why in the, in the New Testament, our bodies are a living worship unto the Lord. So what we do with them matters. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. So our lives are enthralled around every aspect of worship every day. Not just a song on a Sunday, but a song on your lips every day. And every action we do is to worship the Lord. Number seven. There's only seven of them. Remember how God has blessed you. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16. And Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. Remember how God has blessed you. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. Remember how God has blessed you. You know, this is very important. Uh, we need to remember what the Lord has done for us yesterday. That will be our confidence today, and that will be our hope for tomorrow. We are to be remembering always what God did for us. You should write them down. One of the simplest ways to have a journal is to write down what God did for you so you don't forget it. Because the devil will always come and tell you what you don't have. But he'll never come and tell you what you do have. He'll always come and tell you what he, what God forgot you. Remember everybody else but you. But he'll never tell you what God did for you. It's very important that we encourage ourselves in the Lord, as David did, the scripture says. We were on David. Uh, you know, we need to remember how God has blessed us. And we need to always have that on our lips. Uh, some of the Psalms are like that, where they intentionally are written um, to remember the, the goodness of the Lord to Israel over the centuries. And we need to, uh, in other words, to encourage the people of that day. And we are to be the same way. We need to be remembering how God has blessed us. It should be on our lips. We should be telling it to our children. We should be telling it to our grandchildren. We should be reminding our spouse about it. Uh, 
We should be a pest to other people. You know what God did for me? Oh, here he goes again. Yeah, that's good. Be a pest. Tell me what God did for you. I want to know. Because I want to hear you say it. Because I know you're being blessed. And I want to rejoice that you're blessed that you're saying it. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That's good. Complainers won't like you. But those that love Jesus, they'll like you. Hey, let's do these real quick. Number one, keep your heart and your life pure. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9a. Number two, obey God's word. We do it as believers. We believe. First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 7 and 8. Number three, seek God and his righteousness. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9b. Number four, rely on the promises of the word of God. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. Number five, give and serve willingly. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 5 through 9. Number six, worship and celebrate gladly. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 20 to 22a. And number seven, remember how God has blessed you. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 12. I hope you wrote them down. Why? Because you've got to remember them. Why? Because you're going to forget. This sermon is going to end. Forget about me. But you're going to forget. The devil wants to make sure he steals the word of God from you so you don't put it into practice. He wants you to forget it. Fast. If you write it down, we can remind ourselves. That's what's nice about writing things down. I'm reminded. And you know, if we look at this last scripture here, remember how God has blessed you. Let's look at first. Uh, well, first, yeah, it is first. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every bless spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's a past tense. He already has. Remember those promises of the Word of God? He already has. And we pull them down in faith into my state of living from day to day. And we demand that when we don't see it manifested, what we see has to change so that they manifest in my day. Remember, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Remember that. He has, not will, has already. That's something we then obtain in faith. So the principle here we're doing today is that every, all these seven things I mentioned, these are daily choices to walk in him. To walk with him. Daily choices. And daily choices, like I just mentioned, these seven, will prevent the periodic episodes of failure and sin that so many experience. So many experience these episodes of failure and sin because they forget these simple seven keys to living in a way that honors God. That we learn from the life of David. So walking daily with him causes us to hate that which is evil for our lives. I want to do that. I haven't arrived. I'm still working at it. I hope you are too. Let's pray. Father God, we just believe for daily walks here, Lord God. We believe, Father God, for daily walks that are daily choices, Father, to honor you. Of these seven keys, Father God, that we would use them to unlock new doors for us in the days ahead in this new year of 2021. That, Father God, we would have a successful 
2021 in the spirit. And if I'm successful in the spirit, it'll spill over into the natural. It'll spill over into the marriages. It'll spill over into the parenting. It'll spill over into the finances. It'll spill over to every area of life because we live in a way that honors you. Father God, help us by Holy Spirit to have daily choices that honor you. And we thank you for this, Father God, as we invite Holy Spirit to remind us of these things in the days ahead. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Remind us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.